You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. That When we start talking about fathers, we, we have to realize that the, the one father pattern that we can look at and trust and, and kind of follow is the, the pattern that we find in, in our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, who is the perfect father. And, and just like a, an earthly father that is following God, not everything that the Heavenly Father does or, or wills to happen would we agree with the same would be true of earthly fathers. I, I know that for certain that there were occasions when my kids did not agree with me. You would agree, you would be in that case, in that um, understanding, right? Sometimes dads make decisions and kids don't understand. And so when we, when we celebrate Father's Day, it's about looking forward to what God is doing in the lives of our dads and, um, and the challenge to move forward and to be the men of God that he has called us to be. Now, uh, I, I know that this is a special day, but uh, there are some things in Scripture that I want to look at that, that kind of help us to understand some of this. And, and I'm, I don't know about you, is everybody comfortable in here? All right, I'm just checking. I'm not. I can't stand this thing. I, I had it, I didn't have it on when I started this morning, and I told Deb, and she's like, oh, you got to wear it. I was like, but it's Father's Day. You got to wear it. And then I went in, and, and I said, well, how's that look? She goes, you look mighty professory. And I was like, well, that's not really what I'm going for. So um, I just, it's just one of those things. So, so guys, um, I want you to get comfortable, but not too comfortable, all right? Because I've heard stories this morning about how how you can go too comfortable. And um, so today, when we look at Scripture, uh, I want us to find some things in here that we can grab onto. Now, not everything that we're going to talk about will be something that you can say, hey, I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that. If you find one or two things and say, God, help me to do that in my life so I can be a better dad, or I can be a better parent, or I can be a better example to those around, around me. That's what I want to happen this morning. So as we look at this, there, there are a couple things that I want us to grab, and we'll move through this pretty quickly uh, this morning. Um, Andy Stanley said this. He said, in our culture, character is a moving target. Would you agree with that? Character is a moving target. So if we hold up examples, by tomorrow, that example will change if you go by the culture that, says, that sets that or the society that says that because it seems like the rules are always changing. What was once tolerated or accepted or what wasn't accepted is now accepted and, and it just tends to move. But if we look at God's word and we understand who God is, those things don't change. If this is our pattern, it stays the same. And so we need to look at this and say, God, what do you want to happen in my life? 
And so we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians. You may say, well, that's a really strange book for what we're talking about today. Well, there are some things in 1 Thessalonians that, that I want us to catch by way of explanation in, in this. And so we're going to start at the very beginning of 1 Thessalonians. And let me just read this because it's going to set the stage for where we're going to spend our time in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So we'll start it in chapter 1. It says, Paul, Savannah, and Timothy to the church in, of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that when we have our life as a dad or as a person and we wrap it up in the one who is worthy of our praise, we've set it in a good spot. This, the whole thing of what the choir did earlier with Becky leading and, and, and just lifting up the name of Christ, that's where we need to be. Our lives need to project that. Our lives need to praise him. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Now these guys, what, what Paul is writing here is he's saying, we recognize the work of God in you and we see it in you. What you receive from us when we shared the gospel, you accepted and, and kind of hung on to it. And that word, um, full conviction, that idea is to have a certain hope. It's the same word we find in Hebrews 10.22, where it says we've placed our hope in Him. And it's a hope of assurance. And then that word where it says in, um, in verse 8, for they themselves, no, verse, yeah, verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so we need not say anything. The idea of that is that it was an echoing sound. That, that word means to, to sound forth with a sound as if a roaring ocean. And so it has gone forth. We, with the first song we sang about the love of God being fierce in our life and and that being part of who he is and his chasing of us and his declaration. That's what we find here in 1 Thessalonians is their life so represented Christ and, and it was so bold that it sounded forth as if an ocean that could not be stopped. I don't know if you've ever sat at the beach and just sat in a chair and closed your eyes and just listened. Because if like everything else in life, it just kind of stops, that doesn't seem to stop, ever. You can get down there first thing in the morning, get down late at night, it really doesn't matter. The sound of the ocean stays. And it just stays with you. And so that's what 
Paul is saying, he says, I recognize the love of God that's in your life and how you've accepted it with full assurance and that it is sounding forth from you as if it's never ending. And so if we're going to be the people of God that God's called us to be, we need to live lives in such a way that the word of God, that which we say we anchor our life in, sounds forth from us wherever we go. And I would say that sometimes that's a struggle. It's a struggle for me. I, in, in looking at this this week, I, I'm going to be real honest. I, I finished getting ready for this and went, it's Father's Day. And I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I measure up to this. And I, I hope that you do, but I don't. I look at that and I think, okay, here's where you should have opened your mouth. Here's where you should have shut your mouth. Then here's where you should have acted better. And, and, I, and I go through all that and I think, how inadequate this morning to share anything from God's Word. And yet God, God reminds me of His love and His grace and, and that although I don't have it all figured out and and my character is still work under construction, that, that God is faithful. And that He is going to take what is undone and completely finish it. And it doesn't have to be today. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Andy Stanley said this as well. It's in, it's in a book, if you want to look it up, it's called Louder Than Words. He said this, Biblical character finds its source in the nature of our Creator rather than the behavioral patterns of man. Good character is nothing less than a reflection of the character of God. Man. Good character is nothing less than a reflection of the character of God. And so I have to ask myself, and I would encourage you to ask yourself, how is my life a reflection of God's character? Well, Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But God, I want you to do something in me and change my heart to something that you can use on a regular basis. And so would you stand with me as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and read through that together as we get into this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 starts off like this, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we, though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict, or much conflict. For our appeal does not, our, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. That word approved means to scrutinize or find trustworthy. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, 
like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we, may, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So catch the, the relationship that's here between Paul and this, this group in Thessalonica. And then he, then he turns it from this, we treated you like, like mothers who take care of their kids. He says, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day and that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. He calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. That's an awesome passage. Because here Paul lays out his heart for a people and says, I shared the gospel with you, but I don't want you to stay in an infant stage as a mom, as a mother would take care of her kids. I want to nurture you, but as a dad, as an example to you, I want to show you and exhort you and encourage you what to do. And so Paul writes that to this group of people. We're going to learn from it this morning as we study. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. God, we don't want to take it for granted. And we don't want to waste it. And so, Father, in a, in a very quick way, remind us of not only who you are, but who you want us to be. That as people that are in process of learning how to follow you and to walk in a manner worthy of God, that you would just kind of sink some things into us that we would desire you more than anything else. And God, you be glorified in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage is one of those passages that kind of calls out um, for what we are to be and how we are to act. And what Paul does is he moves from the gentleness of being a nursing mother to that of being a dad and laying some things out. And I want us to catch a couple of things in this passage, two things that, that dads should not be. Now, this is the this first one. In verse 1 and 2, it says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict, much conflict. So what Paul says in that first part, he says, we're going to be diligent. So the first thing dads are not is they are not passive. They can't be passive. They made the effort. They, these guys did not throw in the towel, give up, say, I've had enough. I'm just walking away. It's over. Now, they endured hardship at Philippi, and they moved here and shared the gospel. And it was still a, a struggle. And I want to tell you that being a dad is hard. Being a dad is not an easy thing. 
Because there's a, a part of us that has a passion for doing the things that dads do. We want, to be, we want to be the leader. We want to be the provider. We want to do all those things. That knight in shining armor on occasion. And yet we know as we look in the mirror, as when everybody else is gone, we look in the mirror and we say, I don't measure up to that. This, this outfit is tarnished. This person is not exactly right. And yet we are expected to lead. And, and what Paul is saying in this passage says, regardless of the turmoil that goes on inside and the wanting to throw in the tile, we persevered and, and followed through in sharing the word of God with you. So first thing is dads are not passive, should not be passive. The second thing is that dads should not be prideful. In verses 3 and 4, for our appeal does not spring from error or from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. It wasn't about self-interest for Paul. And so he had to come at it and say, although I could claim as an apostle to share these things and claim my positional authority over you, I come to you not as speaking from my own authority, but I come speaking from the authority of God. And it's Him that you need to recognize. And so to come in humility and not pride is a big thing. And then to understand that God is at work. In Philippians 2.13, it says that God's at work in us and through us. Hebrews 13.21 would say the same thing. And so God, guys... We've got to not be passive in our dadhood. And we've got to not be prideful in that as well. And sometimes it's easy for us to get puffed up if we've accomplished something. When I, I have a really, uh, maybe it's strange, maybe it's not so strange, but I have this habit when, when I got to cut, before Bobby kept my lawnmower at his place, I cut grass. I don't get to do that right now. But I'm going to get that back at some point, just so you know. And I, will, and I will cut grass. But the thing for me is I cut grass, and, and I'm kind of particular. And so I wouldn't really let Stephen cut on occasion and wouldn't let Becca cut it, but I needed to cut it. Because at the end of the day, after cutting it, I would look and I would walk out to the middle of the road and I would stand back and say, Man, that looks good. Lines are straight. Everything is right in the world. You know, you get one of those things. You, get, you can get kind of prideful. We can do that in a lot of different ways as dads. We look on our accomplishments and we think, how well did I do? And yet, when we measure ourselves against the standard of God, we realize that we're not as good as we think we are. We are still a work in progress. So dads, understand you're a work in progress, but you cannot be passive as a dad. And you can't be prideful as a dad. So the five things that we should be, and this is, we're, we're just going to walk down this list of what we should be in Christ. The first thing is to be patterned in your behavior to please God. In verses 9 and 10, it says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, and we, that we, we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. 
In verse 10, you are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. To be patterned after God, to be chasing Him. That word devoutly means to be holy, but then to turn that around and to be upright means that you are not only holy, but you do things that are right. You are just. To take a just position would be something that reflects the character of God. And then the third part of that is to have no blameless or to have no cause for censure. Do not have somebody look at you and say, you are wrong. Now, it's going to happen. People are going to think you're wrong. But when you, when you look and pattern yourself after God, you say, if I pattern my life after Him, who can bring a charge against me? Who can come up and say that, that I've mistaken if I'm following the pattern that we find in God's Word? You see, we live in a society that has that moving target character that, that we talked about at the very beginning. And so there'll be people, as we follow God with all our heart, that will say, you're wrong. We had a discussion yesterday about yard signs. We were out looking at a house, and uh, we didn't see any there, but for some reason the, the conversation came up, and we talked about yard signs and what you put in your yard. And you can tell a lot by those yard signs. But you can also, as you look at houses and start to realize, this is the person I'm going to live next to, they've taken this stand. You go, well, I don't know if I want to live there. And so they may say something that on the surface looks very accepting and, and, um, and wonderful and tolerant and all those kind of things. You say, well, that's a person that is reflecting Christ. On the other hand, you may say, well, if I disagree with any part of that, where am I going to be in this? How am I going to be accepted as a neighbor? I want to tell you that if somebody were buying a house next to me and I put a sign out in the front of my house that said, this guy's a Southern Baptist pastor, it really wouldn't matter. If they got to know me, if I cut my yard line straight with a lawnmower, any of that kind of stuff. I could bring them an apple pie and it wouldn't matter because I've got a sign there. And they may say, I don't want to live next to that. They don't know me. See, when we, when we pattern our life after Christ, there'll be people that'll agree with us and disagree with us. The Word of God says, follow Him. And so pattern your life and your behavior after God, as Paul declares in this, to be devout, upright, and blameless. The second thing is to be patient in your expectations. Verse 11 says this, for you know how like a father with his children. And we'll just stop right there. Now, how you put that together with patience? I want patience and I want it now. You know, you've heard that. So it's hard to be patient sometimes, isn't it? I've, I've got to laugh when I watch some of the dad videos and, and stuff because there, there's one video that had this daughter she was sitting at the table and she just she just knocked over the milk and the dad's sitting there and I'm thinking okay where's this going and the dad he just starts laughing I'm like that was not me I'm like grab the towel grab the paper towel let's go come on come on we cannot get that on anything I'm not sometimes I'm not a very patient guy now certain situations I am but 
most of the time I'm not. And so when I say patient in expectations, it's not that you got to have it all together. It's that I cannot expect more out of you than where God has you at that particular point. I've got to look and say, I understand that you're a work in progress, and so I need to be patient with what God's doing in you, not my expectation. And so to be patient. And, and Paul uses this, this idea. He says, For you know, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. So we admonished you. We came alongside you. And then we encouraged. And then the last part of that, we charged you or implored you to do something. And that's to walk in a manner worthy of God. It's an interesting term because it means to, to take somebody and lead them to be connected to an idea. And so if as a dad, I want to do that, what I want to do is I want to encourage my kids to follow after God with all their heart. I implore them, I encourage them. And I, and I want them to have, um, have a set pattern that they follow in chasing after God. This, um, this word imploring means to witness or to show as a witness and for the Thessalonians, they understood what it meant to follow God with all their heart. Because here was a group of people that were being persecuted. And so when Paul writes this, he's writing, say, you need to be a witness. I'm imploring you to be a witness. I'm encouraging you to be a witness, understanding that if you do, there's the possibility of a violent death in your future. And I would say for us, it may not be that drastic, but when you start living out the Christ-like life wherever you go, people are not going to be happy with you. It's a John 17 thing. The world's going to hate you because they first hated God. Third thing is to be playful. So to be patterned, to be patient, to be playful. And in this, we're going to go to just the example, and you remember of Genesis 22, and you're going, how can we get playful out of that? Some of you know the story. Abraham's told by God to take his son up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. And that does not sound very playful. And I would admit, you're right, it's not. But I want you to, to catch some of the things that, that, if you remember the story, what happens in that story is Isaac and, and Abraham go to the top of this mountain, and the promise is that Abraham's seed would, would extend past him, that, that his family would grow. And Isaac is the only representative of growth for that family. And so what God's asked Abraham to do is give up whatever future you foresee and take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. And so they go to the mountain, and Isaac goes along carrying whatever he was supposed to carry along with Abraham. And they go there and they get set up. Now, if I'm Isaac and I understand what is going on as I'm getting laid down on top of that altar, I'm screaming. I'm fussing. 
I don't know if you've ever had a wrestling match with a dad that where you got in the middle of it and you couldn't get out. But that's kind of the situation here. And if I'm Isaac, I'm pushing back with all that I am saying, there is no way that you're going to lay me on the top of this altar and do what is called for here. But we don't see Isaac fighting back. See Isaac just going along. And there, the reason that I wanted to point that out is because I think there were there was a whole lot of there were a whole lot of things in the relationship between Abraham and Isaac that took place prior to that. There is no way Isaac would have trusted Abraham going up to the top of that mountain to do that if he didn't trust in the relationship that he had with his dad. And so, dads, this is where it comes into play. You have to be relational with your kids. This is about play. You say, well, how did you get play out of that? I'm just saying the relationship existed. And I don't know how it existed. But it existed in such a way that it brought honor and glory to God. And so dads, find time to play. Our desire might be to provide and to work and to do all those things. But if we do all that and neglect the kids neglect our children or those that we have charge over that we're an example to then we've missed the point part of our leadership as dads means that we come beside our children and help them to understand what it means to follow God and so you can do that through play you can do that through wrestling you can do that through getting out in the yard and throwing a ball and I remember doing that with my dad There were some things that I learned in the backyard throwing a baseball that I would have never learned any other way. I learned how to catch a baseball with my lip. I also learned that you need to take down clotheslines before you start. You know, there are a lot of things that you learn. But I only learned because I spent time with my dad. And I would say, Dad, you need to to work on the relationship by being playful. A great relationship is an extension of your heart. And so it enables us when we do that for our kids to see the example of God in our life that says, I will trust you even though I don't understand. And you got to admit, there are times when we don't understand what God's doing. But as a father, we are encouraged to trust him regardless, right? And so be playful. The fourth thing is to be practical, to be practical. And this has to do with making decisions. Judges 17.6 says that the people, because they were without a king, did what was right in their own eyes. Well, the Proverbs tells us to do something a little different. Proverbs 3 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones.
there are some of these things when I read them, I think, man, I wish I'd followed that. To not be wise in my own eyes. Because God's wisdom is so much better than our wisdom. And although God's wisdom may at times seem restrictive, it means that we trust one that understands what is tomorrow where we don't. And so we trust God with all that we are. And we trust Him and think as God thinks. And so we have to guard our thought life. We have to guard our eyes and guard our hearts and say, God, would you... Help me to be refreshed in you and to trust you with all wisdom. So in our attitudes and actions, to be practical, saying, what is the wise thing to do? And so we are to be patterned, patient, playful, practical, and the last thing is passionate. Got to be passionate for God and His Word. Verse 13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You have to be passionate about God. To be passionate about chasing His word. Set a pattern. Have the courage to be passionate about Christ. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know how many of us actually fear living out God's Word. If we live it out, what will it cost us? Sometimes if you think, what will it cost me if I do that? I listened to story after story last night. There was a retirement dinner for, for Bobby. And as I was listening to those stories, I kept going back to this. I kept thinking, okay, here's an example of somebody who is passionate, but not just passionate about wrestling, but passionate about God's Word and sharing that among students and teachers. That's an example. That's an example worth following. When we read God's Word, we see that Paul and and Silas were an example worth following. They set a pattern. And so, guys, be passionate about God and His Word. Don't compromise there. And it's easy to say, that's too hard. I get it. But you want to be, you want to be macho? You want to be all, there, all that is? Start here, because it's one of the most difficult things you can do. It's harder than bench pressing. Going into a prayer closet is harder than running a 10K. So guys, be guys, not wimps. You want to be a man after God? You want to be a man that is bold and strong? Follow God's word with all that you are. Don't compromise that. It's interesting that if we go back and we read the background to this is Acts 17 that describes the actions of Paul and Silas. And so these actions in Acts 17 kind of point us to this letter that's written to the Thessalonians. Or Thessalonians. In Acts 17, there is a a point at which they come in and they start preaching over the course of just a few days, a few weeks. And they pull somebody out of the crowd that is kind of sympathized with them. And here's the accusation. In Acts 17, 6, it says this, 
And when they could not find them, they were looking for Paul and Silas. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting. Now, get this. They drug these guys out because they couldn't find Paul and Silas. And they said, well, you follow these guys. And here's the accusation. These men who've turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. They came into that city and reputation was there so that when they walked in and they started sharing the gospel and people's lives started being changed, what was the accusation? They turned, they turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down? That's the accusation? That's what we're in trouble for? Turning the world upside down for the gospel of Christ is not the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. And yet, we are a bigger crowd than Paul and Silas, and we have the opportunity to turn the world upside down. So the question, what do you want said about you? You want to be a dad that, that is an example to kids? You want to be a father figure to those that may not even be your children? Or just a parent that people, when they see you, they say, there goes a representative of Christ. You want to be in that spot. You want to be said of your influence. You follow God, therefore I will follow you. I am... Um, I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta and Nashville for a lot of years. And it seems that from the time I moved to Atlanta in the late 70s to the time I left Atlanta, and then when we moved north of Nashville, the only thing I ever saw was construction. It was constant. Everywhere I turned. And I would say that, that we got, I'm going to just speak to the guys for a minute that we are under construction. And only God really knows how that's going to work out. He knows what that, that road looks like when it's all done. Now, I watched some construction in Atlanta where they were building some bridges and, and moved I-85 over to the side and, and all that kind of stuff. And there were days where I looked at it and I went, there is no way they're going to ever get an interstate back here. They are messing this up. And yet when it was all said and done, they put a bridge in place that I could have never foreseen. They did things that, that I wouldn't have dreamed. But it was because the architects of that roadway had in mind what it was to look like before it ever got started. And God has in mind in us what we are to look like, what that finished product should look like, even though we don't see it. Guys, we are a work in progress. All of us are. God is at work in you. And in verse 12 it says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God that calls you into His own kingdom and glory. It's an ongoing thing. It's a working thing. The word so means to be into. 
And so the encouragement is you follow God with all that you are and do these things so that, and the translation of that is you are into it. I watch my daughter play softball and, and women's softball frustrates me. Because I can watch them be losing 15 to 2 and they're in there cheering. Like, yay, it's wonderful. And I'm like, it is not wonderful. You're losing. It's the competitive part of me. And I just couldn't see it. And I, and I was like, Becca, get in the game. And I would yell that to my guys on the baseball field whenever once in a while they would just kind of lose focus. That's oh, good, it's wonderful. You know, and I would say, get in it. Get your head in the game. Quit playing on the sidelines. And I would say for us, as we're following Christ, we got to get into it. Let's get in the game. To walk in a manner worthy of God that calls you into His own kingdom and glory. That, that word or that phrase, manner worthy, is the, is the Greek word axios, or where we get axis. It's a point on which everything else turns. So get into it. Follow God with all you are and let your life revolve around the person of Jesus Christ so that you can make a difference in this world. As we get ready to, to pray and, and open up a time of commitment, there's a, a, a passage in, in Ezekiel that I want us to have as our prayer time this morning. As just as we pray and, and during this invitation, that we would have this kind of heart. Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel's sharing these things, and he's sharing some bad news and, and declaring some things, but he says, in the end, God's going to work in you. And here's the idea. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28 says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. We allow God to do that in us. That as we are people under construction, that we would say, God, turn that heart that so easily turns from you. Help it to be soft toward you. God, put a new spirit in me that once the things that I chased, I no longer chase, and the things that I need to chase, namely you, I chase with all my heart. And so this morning, as we have our time of invitation, I want us to do a couple of things. If you've never accepted Christ, you cannot be the best dad that you can be without, without God in your life. I don't know how to get around that. Because it's, it's through God that you understand what real love is. Well, you understand that you understand compassion. You understand mercy and you understand forgiveness. And so if you've never accepted Christ, uh, we'd love to have a little bit more conversation with you about that and explain to you what it means to come to Christ. 
for, for those that know Christ, it may just be a, um, a change in direction, kind of like a little detour to where God wants you this morning. And so I would ask that, that if dads, you want to come and just pray and say, God, help me to be the dad that I need to be. And then families, if you'd like to surround them and just say, help this man be who he needs to be in Christ so that we can see the passion that he has for following after you with all his heart. And so we're going to open it up like that this morning. Whatever God leads you to, uh, and it, I'd encourage you to be honest and obedient to what he calls us, to what he calls us to this morning. So would you stand? Let's pray. For listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church, we welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.